This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing. And you're listening to the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com. And on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of harm. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor. A name whispered in the corridors of the underworld, waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome, everybody, to episode 268 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your two hosts, Cal, with me, our other host, our good friend, our good brother, the man that runs, well, our Twitter page, but, like, not everybody's, not the not the Royal Wee's Twitter page. It's the DCAU Review Twitter <laughs> page, and the man that runs the DCAU Review Threads page. That's right. If this doesn't date this episode, then I don't know what will. It's Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 268 of the DCAU Review. That's right. We are back. And yes, if you are uh, if you are listening to this uh, around the time it airs, when this, this threads malarkey is going on, uh, head over to that website and uh, find us. Same username at DCAU Review. Um, not sure how much use it'll get other than just up, you know, posting when we have a new episode, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I love if there's anything that we've, we've learned on this, this podcast from day one, we've talked about how much we love, uh, the meta and, and all of its, uh, all of its subsidiaries, mm-hmm. whether it be the Facebook or the Instagram. And now we are graced with yet another uh, an app that can mine our data. And mm-hmm. uh, we could not be more excited about it. Clearly. So great. So happy to be on another site owned by, by Mark Zuckerberg. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as an alternative to being on a site owned by Elon Musk, I just, uh, you know, as, as, as the great Earl Bowen voicing Simon Stagg and in uh, in Justice League uh, once said, uh, "Let's just let's just have a nice toast here to unbridled capitalism." Yes, indeed. Uh, enough talking about all of that shenanigans, though. We are here to review 
Liam, an episode of the DCAU, and that is, this week we are continuing with our reviews in Batman the Animated Series, the original, the OG, if you will, and uh, we have an interesting one this week. We have a returning villain, and uh, I, I would love to pick the brains of the writers who sat down and said, what if there was a device that made Tempest Fugit the flash because that's what we're yeah. doing today pretty much uh that's right so we're we'll be reviewing the episode time out of joint and uh we'll get into our four main categories but of course cal first i must regale us with the official imdb synopsis for this episode that's right liam and this episode speaking of it originally aired on fox at least the fox kids programming block uh, according to the DCAU wiki, back on October the 8th, 1994, meaning we are just here shy of the 30, about uh, about a, a year and uh, a couple of months shy of the 30-year anniversary. So 29-year anniversary coming up this year of this episode's debut. And of course, before we get to the IMDB synopsis, we must remind you that it is, of course, as it is each and every week, brought to you by The Pod Tower. Head over to youtube.com slash The Pod Tower and subscribe today to get the entire catalog of the Tim Talk podcast, which of course discussed this episode. You can also get the Jump on the Batwagon podcast, which is brought to you by the, the good folks at Watchtower Database, and they too have previously covered this episode. And uh, you get our entire catalog there <laughs> as well. And uh, this very episode right now is sitting at youtube.com slash the pod tower. So head on over there today, sign up for it, subscribe, get the notifications. When every single one of these podcasts drops a new episode, you're not going to want to miss it. That's youtube.com slash the pod tower. That's right. So this is the synopsis for time out of joint, which was written by Alan Burnett and Steve Perry. Not that one. And directed by Dan Reba, with music by Carl Johnson and animation by Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such Batman and Robin battle the Clock King, who has a prototype device that allows him to operate at an extremely accelerated time rate apart from the rest of his reality. Hmm. The, what was that what was that little stumble there at the end that that was uh that was yeah i don't know what they just like picked a random word to jam in there at the end yeah uh i think they were maybe trying to explain that one part which we'll, we'll get to where the batmobile is frozen in time for like three days uh -huh. but also it's like there's some jargon about how they're out of phase with re with the dimension i don't know they yeah. there's a lot of science mumbo jumbo in this episode that we'll get to in in due time but uh i would say c c minus maybe d plus for that synopsis i i don't disagree with you on that but uh, we will try and make up for it with our own plot synopsis here liam as we jump right into that as we open up things here with uh it's no secret who our villain is going to be because the title card spoils it <laughs> see we see the clock king front and center uh, well maybe a little to the left in our in our time out of joint title card but we open up the episode with a pair of silhouettes uh bickering back and forth at a auction we of course uh at, at, you know, seasoned viewers would know by the voices who these bickering biddies are. They are, of course, Bruce and Dick talking about the sheer expense uh, and boredom that Dick is experiencing being at this auction that, that they're attending. And uh, it appears that the last item is going up for bid, much uh, much to, to Dick's uh, excitement. So we learned uh, he is quite, quite bored, as he qu uh, keeps reminding Bruce. And uh, as, uh, as the final item goes up for your auction, we learn that it is a King Louis XVI's clock, apparently. Uh, so uh, that, of course, is going up and is no accident that it is going up for auction. So, ladies and gentlemen, to Ms. Veronica Vreeland for $200,000. Bored. We've only been here 10 minutes. 10 minutes for you, 10 hours for me. I know it's for a good cause, but... 
<sighs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, this magnificent timepiece from the reign of Louis the Sixteenth. Who'll start a bidding at four hundred thousand? You gotta be kidding! I wouldn't use that for a doorstop. Right on time, as usual. I love that the beginning of this episode side sidebar here. This is set up just like a, a Batman sixty six entry, like opening. Oh, very much so. Like Bruce and Dick are at an auction for a clock from Louis the Sixteenth. Like <laughs> you very and there's a very we'll get to there's a very over the top of British man. <laughs> Right, <laughs> expositioning us about how important and valuable this clock is, and yes, yep. it's very much uh, in the vein of a of a uh, a Batman sixty six opening. That's a good shout. Yep, and uh, of course it works out the same way, just as you might imagine it would in Batman sixty six. As as the 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 bids continue to climb, uh, the final bid is placed, or seemingly about to uh, to be placed. And it's going, going, and just as the auctioneer says gone, well, so is the clock. As uh, Tempest Fugit, who was lurking about, that we saw him, he showed up and then he quickly disappeared. Dick even thought that he spotted him at one point. And, uh, but as the clock disappears, uh, Bruce and Dick uh, realize that Dick's hunch was indeed correct, that the clock king is back and about. So we uh, we flash to the to GCPD where Commissioner Gordon, Batman, and Robin are reviewing a tape of the auction. We have, there just happened to be a surveillance tape of the auction. Thank goodness. Naturally, uh, I guess for security purposes, if you're if you're auctioning off a, a clock that's going for over five hundred thousand dollars, I, I guess security would 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 be necessary. Or sure, would, but. <laughs> Just happened to be there, and uh, they slow it down. They slow this videotape down. Liam, another thing. Videotapes uh, are a thing of the past, so mm-hmm, any, mm-hmm. some of our listeners may not know this, but it wasn't like a DVD where, or, a, or, a, or a streamed show where you could pause it down to the millisecond of, you know, of, of getting the spot that you wanted to. Freezing a, a uh, getting a freeze frame on the right spot on a VCR was a a thing of skill. You had to be able to press the pause button and account for like maybe a, a two to three second delay, depending on the machine that you're using. Commissioner Gordon was an ace at this because he freezed it at right at exactly the right spot where they could see this mysterious hand uh, swiping the clock at the last second before disappearing. I have six fifty going going. Gone. <gasps> Blimey. Back up. There. Freeze it. That must be the hand everyone talks about. The one that's quicker than the eye. So we don't have another invisible man running loose. Then who could it be? I think it's Temple Fugit. The Clock King. What makes you think that? Let's just call it a hunch. Better warn Mayor Hill, Jim. I doubt that time has healed Fugit's wound. And uh, that uh, that leads Batman to surmise that the Clock King is indeed back. Commissioner Gordon, a little confused, states, uh, well, how do we know that he's back? And Batman just says that he has a hunch and that uh, he also has a hunch that the Clock King will be more than likely looking to fulfill what he was unable to do in the last appearance. And that, of course, is exacting revenge on the mayor of Gotham. That's right. So we get a, a little bit of insight into exactly how the Clock King is pulling off all of this stuff as we see a, we cut to a, a Dr. Wakati. Uh, some sort of a uh, some sort of scientist who is. Uh, who oh is... no, he's the father of quantum temporal theory. Please put some respect uh-huh, on the man's uh-huh. name. Sure, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. It is that is how uh, Batman refers to him later. But he's mm-hmm. uh, he's testing this this uh, this interesting device, some sort of 
looks like some sort of projector. He has a couple different things. He has a a ball sort of suspended in midair, seemingly, and then also a a potted plant. And as we watch, the potted plant grows, you know, grows out of the pot, completely blooms, and then wilts and dies all in a matter of seconds. And the and the ball doesn't move as he explains to this Dr. Wakati explains to his uh, his faithful assistant and uh, and helper, uh, who we come to find out is none other than uh, than the Clock King himself. Uh, that uh, that the device seems to be working like a charm, and that it has it has a lot of applications that it could it could help a lot of people. Six fifteen, sir. Time for breakfast. I've also brought you your medicine and the timer, so you can take your pills on schedule. You think of everything, don't you, Harold? It is my job, sir. How goes your research, if I may ask? Well enough. The iron ball has dropped a mere tenth of a millimeter since the experiment began last week. An extreme temporal discontinuity. And the accelerated effect is just as dramatic. Five minutes ago, that plant was a seed. Amazing, Dr. Wakati. Why, the possible applications are mind-boggling. Indeed. We could get rid of radioactive waste in minutes instead of eons, put terminally ill people in stasis until a cure is found. And the question is, is mankind civilized enough to make the proper use of it? You're right, Doctor. It's very important that this device be kept in the right hands. So he's, uh, he's got noble intentions, but of course that's, uh, that's not exactly what the Clock King is, uh, is up to. So he's, uh, he, has the, he decides to once again take the device and uh, he's going off to track down the mayor as promised. And uh, we cut to the mayor's office where Batman and Robin are on a stakeout. But uh, as they're watching, we we get uh, we get the Clock King's perspective on how things look when he's moving at super fast speed using this uh, this special device. So it's uh, we'll talk about that maybe more in visuals. But essentially, the uh, the whole world is at a standstill, and he gets to sort of very slowly make his way through the doors, past all of the security. And up the stairwell after accidentally hitting, after pressing for the elevator, that was a funny bit. <laughs> um, he uh, he heads upstairs and uh, and confronts the mayor. The mayor tries to call for help, but suddenly, use uh, his uh, his intercom system disappears as the clock king sort of continues to show off the uh, the issues. But thankfully, Batman and Robin, uh, suspecting that the clock king would strike, uh, set up some sort of device that. Uh, that uh, make Mayor Hill's office lights brighter. <laughs> a lot of a lot of interesting uh, scientific devices on display in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, sort of temporarily distracts the Clock King as Batman and Robin come in to save Mayor Hill. Clock King turns on his device and begins to try to make his escape, but uh, as he does, he's not really watching where he's going, and he trips over a woman who had been falling down the stairs on his way up to the mayor's office and uh, as he falls down and she lands on top of him his device is broken so he has to uh, book it without the use of his uh, of his special powers now but oh wait he just has another one and so after <laughs> a brief struggle where he gets away from some, some uh, from a security guard and there's some cops uh, sort of they all just they circle him and then just all dive at once at him yeah, he finally gets his device, his new device working and uh, decides to escape. But before he does, he looks over and he sees the Batmobile parked nearby and uh, and gets sort of a mischievous look on his face. <laughs> uh, and then as time uh, resumes to normal speed, we see him speeding away in the uh, in the one of the unlocked police cars. And uh <laughs> And so we uh, we begin to uh, his his plans unraveling as 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 we go here and uh, Batman and Robin still kind of at uh, back to square one but they decide they're gonna they're gonna go after him um, they they find the cop car a little bit later that it's been it's been abandoned in a ravine and uh, and they go uh, and they get in the Batmobile but then wouldn't you know it Fugit put another one so I guess he had three of these devices on him. <laughs> Uh, he puts another one of these devices on the Batmobile, only instead of making it go fast, he actually uh, uses it to, I guess, it's kind of the flash vibrating thing. It, he, like, makes it uh, makes it stand still and vibrate sort of in and out of frequency with the universe. 
that's just a thing you can do with these devices, sure. I guess. Sure. Um, and so Batman and Robin are sort of sitting ducks in the, uh, in the Batmobile, seemingly time going by ultra fast as they're sort of stuck in this little time bubble. And Batman noted, notes that while they are shifting in and out of, uh, of, of the third dimension here, if something was to collide with the Batmobile while it was shifting into the dimension, that it could uh, cause a catastrophic nuclear explosion uh, because of how fast they're vibrating in the Batmobile. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. uh, and I guess meanwhile, before that, before that, before the Batmobile trap gets sprung, uh, we cut back to Dr. Wakati's house where, where the clock King has returned uh, having been briefly foiled. And as he comes down into his room, he sees that uh, the doctor has gone looking for him and uh, he sort of reveals himself at that point and uh, tells the, tells the old man that he's, uh, he's snooped in his business one too many times. So, the Clock King is, uh, has turned on his, uh, on his would-be benefactor. And uh, that's sort of is how we get to our, our, our very silly third act. <laughs> Harold? Harold? What are you doing in my room? I, I called for you but got no answer. I thought something might be wrong. There is something wrong, old man. Why are you wearing that? I'm afraid I haven't been altogether candid with you. What, what are you going to do? You'll find out, my good doctor, all in good time. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah, poor, poor Dr. Uh, Wakati, who just thought he had a good friend in the man Harold, his butler. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it turns out that Harold is a, is a super criminal, uh, hell-bent on killing the mayor. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, as we mentioned, Batman and Robin stuck in the Batmobile at this time. Batman using his brain and the scanner on the Batmobile, which he's able to locate mm-hmm. the attached device, does the old Batman returns trick and and uh, shoots a hole through the bottom of the Batmobile. This time it's a direct hit, though, as opposed to having to reach down and grab it. <laughs> Smashes the device, it uh, which causes them to slow down. But in the meantime... Uh, and the Batmobile crashes into a, a light pole and Robin calculates that they've lost about 48 hours due to the fact that time was moving rapidly around them. So they're off on the Bat cycles to visit the, uh, the doctor who Batman discovered likely uh, was on the other end of where uh, where the Clock King dumped the, the police car. Uh, there was one train that went past there at that time and it went out to doc- the doctor's estate. So <clears throat> he and Robin speed out there. They discover that Dr. Wakati has been unfortunately placed in suspended animation uh, at the time that, uh, that the Clock King attacked him. And uh, but thankfully, the Clock King was uh, nice enough to share some information with Dr. Riccati, saying that uh, finally Mayor Hill will have his day in court. And Batman realizes that they are dedicating the new courthouse that day. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's with it's just two minutes away and they are not only 30 minutes away, but uh, they are in a dead zone. He was the one person in the world I trusted. Is it any wonder I prefer being a recluse? What else did he say, Dr. Wakati? He was babbling, said something about the mayor, about how he was finally going to get his day in court. Day in court? The new courthouse? The mayor is dedicating it today at 10 o'clock. That's two minutes from now. We'd better call the cops and... You can't. I have no phones. Your phone won't work, Batman. This area is a dead zone. I chose it so my experiments would be free of electromagnetic interference. It'll take at least a half hour for us to make it back on the bikes. You have 30 seconds to show us how to use these. I love love uh, 30 years ago. They the uh, Batman was was like the first one to experience what it's like when you don't have a cell phone. Cell <laughs> no phone. bars. Yep. Zero no bars. bars on the bat cell phone. No actual cell phone in this in this man's house and uh, or, or telephone, no landline and uh, no no bars, no signal. So Batman has no way of getting in touch with the police to warn them. But uh, he has an idea. Thankfully. He grabs two of the uh, the the devices that Dr. Wakati created and tells them he's got 
30 exactly 30 seconds to tell them how they work so uh that uh we cut back to the we cut back to the courthouse where mayor hill is about to go on and slam a giant gavel down to to uh dedicate the, the opening of this new courthouse and a temple fugit the clock king is there freezing time placing a explosive underneath the podium so that when the gavel slams down the bomb will go off triggering it killing not only mayor hill but everyone in attendance there destroying the courthouse as well getting sweet sweet revenge but uh the Clock King, unfortunately, he uh, he as most uh, as most villains are, his hubris gets in the way as he decides to keep time slowed down in and around him, uh, wanting to savor the moment as the bomb goes off. And just as the gavel comes is coming down, Batman and Robin show up, and uh, Batman jumps up on the stage. But unfortunately, he's a hair too late as the gavel comes down. The bomb has been triggered, but don't worry, Batman's the Flash. Uh, because mm-hmm. he grabs the bomb as it begins to go off. And of course, with the uh, the device attached, begins running uh, faster than the speed of light across the Gotham River, out into mm-hmm. the middle of it, carrying the bomb as it's slowly detonating. And uh, he is able to get it outside, far away from the courthouse, detonating and uh, causing no harm at all. Just in time, though, we cut back as uh, as the Clock King turns back on his device and attempt to escape. But Robin's right there and trips him up. And uh, as he falls, the Clock King, don't you just hate it when you land on your scientific mumbo jumbo time machine <laughs> and break it into a million pieces? It's the worst. And I guess he didn't have an extra one this time. No, he used all his extras on the Batmobile gimmick and uh, and when he fell over the tripped over the lady mm-hmm. way out of the, the police station. And he had to use the one to suspend Dr. Wakati. So that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he, he did not have unlimited time machines, apparently. So <laughs> he had about six. <laughs> right. Uh, we have a little postscript uh, at that point as a, uh, as we are back at Dr. Wakati's uh, estate. And we, uh, we learned that he's uh, putting the, uh, the hold on this, this technology that, uh, that, time unfortunately is not on the side of uh, humans as he realizes that uh, they're not quite ready for this this uh this device to be in their hands so uh, he suspends and refuses to tell anybody about it so the only people who know about it are batman robin the clock king and this doctor what could possibly go wrong mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. uh that's uh, I guess that's that wraps us up as we we uh we get it do get a funny little little quip there is as uh, Robin mentions, that uh, it's a shame that he won't be sharing that technology with the world because uh, where he's going, the Clock King would likely uh, covet something that will help the days go by quicker as uh, we see him loaded in the back of a paddy wagon and sent off to prison. And uh, that ends the episode. Yep, all's, uh, all's well that ends well, <laughs> I guess. Don't worry. This crazy sci-fi time machine thing never comes back again. So nope. don't have to I, worry about it. <laughs> so as we as we do, we can kind of we've already kind of been sharing our thoughts, but mm-hmm. this episode is dumb. <laughs> yes. That this is episode is nice really reason. dumb. Um it's it's also it's dumb just as like the day the amount of like data six machina uh that you have to accept here of a a device that you can wear on your hip that can make you go, that can make you run at the speed of light. And right. also apparently you can put it on your hip and then drive a motorcycle at the speed of light, mm-hmm. or you can attach it to a vehicle and make it go slow or fast or whatever. Or a bomb or, or a bomb. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's just, there's a lot of, uh, you can just do whatever. Cause it's, it's basically magic in, in this episode. <laughs> Um, and it I, whatever you need it to in whatever moment for whatever plot point of the story is needed. Yeah, I think that's why it's like it doesn't even feel like it follows the same rule of like a time machine or or like a something similar that does like this, like a super speed suit or something like it just doesn't feel like it follows. It follows any particular rules. It just um so I, I think that's part of the reason I didn't really like it. I didn't like 
the other part we've talked about this before i think it was when we reviewed uh the last racial ghoul one where they go to egypt and mm-hmm. fight the zombie mm-hmm. where it's like i know later on there's aliens and and time travel and all this stuff but it doesn't work in this original BTAS run for me when when we get like really sci-fi or fantasy yeah. with the plot and then the third thing that I think doesn't work is that it takes what I thought was the most interesting thing about the clocking. It's been a very long time since we reviewed that original episode. Mm-hmm. But the most interesting thing about that guy is he's like he's like a 58-year-old man. Right. But he's so smart and so attentive to timing and detail that he's able to run Batman and the cops ragged and and kidnap the mayor of a major of a major American city just because he's so smart and witty. And then here it's like, well, he doesn't have to be smart. In fact, he's kind of an oaf in this episode. Yeah. Um, you know, bumbling and tripping. He doesn't invent the device, which is fine. He wasn't a doctor in the last episode. He was a lawyer or something. Um, so it's fine that he didn't create the device, but he's just kind of this bumbling guy. Like, it just feels like this could have been anybody. This could have been any villain. Mm-hmm. Like I guess it's vaguely time related, so it made sense to to break break out the clock king again for this episode. But it's just it's just it's just not good. It's just not <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, like it's a fun enough. Like I didn't hate watching it, but sure. like when you when you begin to look at this from a more critical lens, like I guess I, I don't think it fits the series just mm-hmm. as a concept. Mm-hmm. The device is too hand wavy for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And three, you've taken what was a pretty fun, interesting take on the villain, on a villain like the Clock King in the first episode, and just made him a guy with a magic time machine. Right. And so that's way less interesting than what he was the first time. Yeah. Remember the first episode? He was a guy with OCD that had <laughs> like, that had this this weird grudge against the mayor because mm-hmm. he made him late for a court date. Remember like that was right. That was the whole thing. Like he had, and that like that, that made it quirky enough to be like, this guy is goofy. It wasn't, I, I feel like this turns him into a Batman 66 villain. Like that's, that's kind of what this is. Like this whole episode would, would feel right at home as a, as a Batman 66 episode. And that would have been Mm -hmm. okay because that over the top, like goofiness, somewhat sci-fi, whatever of the era would have worked. But to your point, I wholeheartedly agree with you looking at this now does not fit with the general theme of the series. Um, it's interesting because I actually remember really loving this episode as kids, like mm-hmm. kind of cool. Like Batman has the device and him and Robin are on the bat cycles and they're going a bajillion miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You get the like frozen in time thing. And like, there are bits of it that were fun as a kid. And mm-hmm. then, and maybe, maybe that's what Alan Burdett and, and, uh, and Mr. Perry kind of sat out to do here like we're just going to make a fun goofy episode that somewhat homages batman 66 while also giving kids a fun memorable thing right which is okay from time to time this this show Mm -hmm. was okay to step away from like you know it's never too late and the 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 mob bosses and crime families of of a lot of those other other episodes Mm -hmm. but it does feel like such a big departure from from this and when you go completely into science fiction especially yeah. because there's no there's no shoehorning it into like the technology of the time they don't even attempt to explain how the doctor came up with this device it's just like he created mm-hmm. it he's the expert he created a device that slows down and speeds up time and it just so happens that that the clock king is disguised as his butler and mm-hmm. steals, you know, steals the technology, has access to it because of that. So, and then we'll see what happens. Then now he can use it to carry out his revenge on Mayor Hill. So I, I don't know. I feel like they should have either just completely departed from the Mayor Hill storyline and done something else or and, and turned him into a cart like a, a cartoon character, a cartoon character, Saturday morning cartoon character villain, or uh you know maybe not done this but yeah <laughs> well it's funny because there's even like a reference at one point where they're trying to when they're watching the footage and they aren't really sure what happened 
where when they see he's moving really fast, they're like, oh, thank God it's not another invisible man. Right. Um, which it's like that, even though that's very wacky sci-fi, that episode works for some reason where it's like a guy in a weird like translucent suit and then he pours like weird paint that makes him invisible on himself. Like, I don't know why that works and and this one doesn't. Maybe because they try a little harder to like explain how it works and how it's like reflecting light and the environment around it. It's more like a mirror than it is like just turning someone invisible. But for some reason that I think that one works, but this maybe because it's less explained within the universe, it's just, here's the device. This guy built it because he's really smart <laughs> and that's all you're getting. <laughs> Also, uh, if you wanted to play a game that got you drunk very quickly, you could play a take a shot every time they do a clock pun. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think from from the very first like two lines of the episode all the way up through the very last line of the episode, there are some type of of uh, clock pun, <laughs> which I like puns. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. It was a little bit overkill. In that way, yeah, it kind of reminds me of like one of those very, very early episodes of the series. Mm -hmm. like we went back to uh, The Last Laugh last year as part of a, uh, we we re-reviewed it with uh, with Ted from Watchtower Database. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we were like, wow, this, this episode is very high concept and it's very silly. And most of the dialogue is very like pun heavy, quip, quip heavy. Right, you know, feels like a Batman sixty six episode, and and we talked then about how, you know, that they were still kind of finding their way in the series in the beginning, and they would sort of solicit scripts from, you know, from animation writers who were around that time, you know, the uh, freelance animation writers, um, so who obviously the show hadn't been on the air yet, so they didn't really know what was too broad or too over the top for to work on this show, but this is like we're like. 70 some episodes into an 85 episode run here like we've long since established what i feel like what can and can't be uh accepted <laughs> as a concept <laughs> in this series so it's like yeah it feels it feels somehow like a very early episode of the series despite it coming so late in the run yeah i agreed and uh, I don't think we've given our scores here but uh, I will kick us off here i went with a four out of ten this episode um I, I just i didn't feel like i i was back and forth between a four and a five because there are parts that i like and mm -hmm. you know that i remember having nostalgic feelings for as a kid but i i could not let my nostalgia overrule like my general <laughs> uh integrity as a as a broadcast journalist and say uh, no, this this is not a this isn't a great one. So uh, I yeah, I settled on a four out of ten for this. Well, don't feel too bad about that, Cal, because I gave it a two out of ten. Woo! Uh, like I said, oh I just, my gosh! It's like I just feel like for all the reasons we just talked about, I don't care for the concept. I don't think it fits in this world. I don't even really think it would. I don't even think this could be like a. I guess this could be like a JLU episode. Mm -hmm. But like even then, I feel like they'd have to do some sort of explanation of like how this works, and or they it would be fleshed out better by the time JLU came around. I think. Agreed. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, if if you know if people like you know Dwayne McDuffie and James Tucker and people like that had a chance to take a pass over the script, I think maybe it could have. But again, it's Alan Burnett and Steve Perry, both veterans of this series. It's not like it's you know like it isn't a a spec script from a, you know, <laughs> a freelancer. So it's like, it's not like people who don't know the series wrote this episode, which is, I think the other part of it that, you know, this has to be the lowest score I've ever given an Alan Burnett script. I have, I would have to think, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, like I said, for the, I don't like the concept. I don't think it fits within the world. And I think it makes a pretty fun at who had been this kind of fun one-off villain much less interesting than he was the first time around in favor of kind of a mindless kid show adventure episode, which again, it's not the end of the world. And again, not every episode is going to be a home run, but yeah, just, I think when th I have that many like deep seated problems with the episode, I can't, I can't go much higher than that on my, uh, on my plot score. 
Wow, that's a uh yeah, I I'd, I'd be interested to know whether or not we've had a lower what's the last time you gave maybe uh, eternal youth. I feel like <laughs> got maybe around that, but wow, that's a uh might be an all-time low for that one, but yeah, under understandably so based on the uh I mean I, I gave Superman's yeah. palette 0 out of 10, so it's not the well, lowest. Um, I'm talking about these original Batman. Yeah. Oh, uh, for Batman episodes. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Superman's pal is in a league of its own. (laughs) We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Let's move on here, Liam. Let's move on to, uh, to perhaps brighter skies and uh, you know a lighter topic here as we get into talking about this week's visuals and animation. Uh, Dong Yang Animation credited, I believe, with the animation mm-hmm. this week. Uh, we touched on it a little bit. There is, while the plot may be goofy, uh, putting it nicely, I think the visuals that at least accompanied the, the powers that this machine bestowed upon its wearers was certainly worth talking about. That's probably the big picture thing that we can talk mm-hmm. about mostly. But uh, yeah, what did you think of? Uh, I, well, I'll, I'll start off. We get Clock King gets gets some new garb. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's no longer in the Bruce Wayne shopping in the Bruce Wayne aisle. He doesn't <laughs> have br- brown and yellow. He's got himself a nice sleek black. Uh, I guess it's his butler outfit. He's wearing a wearing a black black tux here. So he does look a little bit different. Um, I think character models were wildly inconsistent a lot. There was there's one scene where Mayor Hill is sitting in his chair receiving a phone call and his nose literally shifts into the shape of like the Joker's nose. I was like, is he is he turning into the Joker? What is happening here? Did I forget a plot point here that the Joker is secretly Mayor Hill? Uh, nope, it was just some inconsistent animation. Uh, scene to scene also, I would say that the, the Clock King sort of differs how he looks. He looks a little more like doughy in a couple of the episodes or a couple of the scenes uh a little bit inconsistent there but overall i think there's uh there's plenty to talk about as far as the rest of the episode is concerned non-character model what did you uh what did you have as far as notes for for visuals for this week yeah i i generally speaking i liked the the visualization of uh the clock king going into the mayor's office in the the super slow-mo i think that's kind of a fun where everything everything kind of turns black and white except for except for the clock king mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a fun way to visualize that when he sort of walks in and everything's kind of frozen in midair except the there's like a, a faint a little like desk fan in the room and the blades are very slowly turning mm-hmm. I, thought, I was like that's kind of a clever uh visual way of, of looking at things there so i i I liked that sequence i liked the the bit at towards the end of the episode uh where batman and robin are driving on on their their on their bat cycles towards uh towards the city and they're sort of uh, marveling at the uh at uh, at everything and robin sort of looks to the side and they they cut up to a a uh, a bird and a plane in the sky that are that are kind of stationary because of how fast they're moving and uh, if we do not mention this in plot, we get our we get a we get a Superman reference here with uh, with Robin declaring that they're going faster than a speeding bullet, and uh, which is a fun 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 little uh, homage. Although, what does that mean in this universe if Superman's real? Uh, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Uh, but don't yes, think too I, hard. Just just enjoy it. Yes. And uh, the end there, where Batman grabs the the bomb is slowly exploding, and Batman's basically holding a uh holding a fireball he's uh he's like ryu from street fighter uh as he's running out to to see <laughs> speaking of superman he goes with the superman method of bomb disposal and just throws it in the harbor so uh and <laughs> from uh from from there we uh so i, I like that sequence it's kind of fun this is a prototype i know bruce tim has, has gone on the record saying that he never really felt like even when they were working on justice league and jlu he never felt like they quite nailed super speed 
uh, as like a visual concept in the show. But I think it I think it works pretty well for for what they ask of it here. And then I was trying to tell it looked to me when when the, the Batmobile sequence where they're they're stuck in hyper time or whatever. And and you just you don't see the cars whizzing past them. You just see headlights mm-hmm. that looked almost it looked like like proto like. 3d graphics like cgi mm. um i didn't see anything in the credits that reckon like usually there's like 3d animation provided by mm-hmm. x or y i didn't see anything like that in the credits but it had it has sort of an interesting effect because you have sort of the the background and the batmobile itself because it's not moving is sort of painted right into that mm-hmm. background mm-hmm. and then you just have just these sort of wispy lights moving past it was like i said for for the time i think that effect is is pretty is pretty neat it's outstanding i i i thought that sequence was i mean that was the big like arrows pointing to it in my notes thing that i have here is like that sequence where you have the static painted batmobile and then the animated lights kind of moving around it that for in my brain that scene goes on for like two commercial breaks like <laughs> but it, in reality it is solved in approximately 45 seconds like, it, like <laughs> very short sequence but uh maybe it, as a child time just moved slower you know i i don't know yeah it's a, it's a time thing but it in this case it, incredibly well done especially for if the the limited animation styles or skills available to them technology available to them at the time um you know i i think the, the way that the lights kind of show up, disappear, they pass over, then you see another light. It wasn't just, I'm sure they did sort of loop the animation in some form or fashion, but it didn't because the image was statically sort of moving across the screen at the same time. You didn't quite pick up that it was just the same recycled animation. So I, I thought that was that was maybe the best sequence of the episode. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's yeah, that's that's definitely the standout action piece of the episode. Like I said, I I like the other kind of speed sequences, um, and that uh, the shot there's like a shot of kind of a side profile shot of of them on on the bat cycles driving at this super fast speed that uh, we talked about it last week. It was made into one of those Adventures of Batman and Robin trading cards, so that that image is kind of burned into my brain permanently. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I think I think there's some good stuff in this episode. Probably the the hallmark of which is that that sequence in the Batmobile with the, all the lights and everything. Um, so I ended up going with uh, with a, a pretty strong eight out of ten for my visual score. <laughs> yeah, I went with the same same exact score. I I love all the the time frozen sequences. I love um, the way that they chose to visualize. It kind of reminded me of the uh, the scene in is it the Justice League episode where the uh, where the Flash gets stuck in time in the mm-hmm. in the Doctor Destiny episode. I think correct. And the the uh, the color sort of drains out of everything as time slows down. I don't know if that was a direct homage or or a or just a coincidence, but same thing happened there where the flash usually you just see him kind of whiz past uh you do see some of the visualization of his powers but to kind of to start out here with as we mentioned this is very much like this should be the flash in this episode (laughs) using these powers (laughs) and and how his powers are typically uh, visualized so i like the the slowdown the the way that things were frozen i even like you know when tempest Fugit goes to to use the elevator and he says silly me after he presses the button and realizes that he's not going to sit there and wait for the elevator to arrive when he's in the in the mayor's uh in the mayor's penthouse so uh yeah there's there's a there's a lot that i that i enjoyed i liked the silhouettes right at the beginning as i mentioned where they don't give you the visual of of mm-hmm. Bruce and dick talking to each other yeah they do a little uh, mystery science theater thing yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was it was uh I, I liked that. It was a nice little artistic touch there. Um I, I think that uh the also the, the 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 bat cycle scene is also kind of just in my head is just one of the coolest things because it's Batman and Robin and they're wearing the helmets and they're going a bajillion miles an hour and you just see the the you know the speed trail going behind them. But yeah, uh, overall, uh, high scores from both of us on this on a, a very visually fun episode, uh, despite uh, the plot maybe not being uh, quite redeemable. All right, Liam, let's let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. 
And correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw Shirley Walker was supervisor for this, but I don't think she was responsible for the actual music. Is that correct? Correct. We have Carl Johnson on the call this week, which is not a name. I like I know Harvey Cohen. I know the leader at Manus and all of our regulars, but Mr. Uh, Mr. Johnson is not a name that I feel like we uh, we see too often, even back in these BTOS days. So uh, but uh, that being said, I, I like we get like a clock king theme that kind of perme- permeates the whole episode that I think works pretty well for it. And, uh, you know, mixed in with the uh, with the with the with the Batman theme and everything there, I think it, it kind of gives a good uh, a good sort of repeated uh, film for the episode. It kind of loops. But maybe that works because we're we're trapped in time for the episode. Oh, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, I see uh, Mr. Johnson's credits look like there are a lot of direct to video Disney stuff uh, for the for the most part. But uh, yeah, his him taking I believe that's the same theme that they used in the original Clock King episode. Also, it's that mm-hmm. that uh, is it a th- is it a three four time what is that it's the it's kind of like a waltz you get the and then it repeats just over and over again and then you kind of get the strings and the horns come in and um there was an alternate theme that i really liked outside of the the clock kings theme and that's when you do have the time like the time freeze so things kind of slow down and you get uh, I think it's maybe some some keys or uh, like a xylophone almost. You just kind of mm-hmm. get some. So it's very whimsical sounding, but also it's kind of ominous at the same time because it's played in such a minor key. Um, but that punctuates both the initial time and that in the auction scene and kind of gives it that eerie, you know, mad scientist. What do we you know, what is the what is the clock king up to? Uh, and then it's played as he's sort of uh, hit, walking in through the the poli- or the, uh, the to the mayor's penthouse, and then uh, then again at the end is as the gavel is coming down, of course breaking in with uh, with Batman and Robin showing up. But uh, I don't don't recall really hearing much of the Batman theme for the episode. Um, there wasn't much time or place for Batman uh, to to be to be uh, to use it because there's there's no real fight scene here we have batman saving the mayor from a bomb but i think they they did learn from the first episode that because the clock king could not be a physical threat to batman the the fisticuffs have to be limited otherwise it makes batman look extremely inept uh to be outwitted by this uh by this 60 something year old man but uh yeah overall i i thought the music was really strong it's instantly memorable it has the beat that kind of feels like a clock ticking or like a almost like a grandfather clock type swing back and forth um i really really enjoyed it i it brought me back it's like okay yeah this is the this is the time out of joint this is this is the clock king uh instantly recognizable theme for him i feel like it adds to both the scenes with that theme as well as this the scenes with the uh with the time being frozen. Um, so it played a huge part for me for this week's episode. I felt like it was its own character, which always gets an extra point when I'm when I'm running down my score. So I ended up going with a very strong nine out of ten for music this week. What about you? Yeah, I went with a uh with a with a seven out of ten. So I think it's pretty similar there for for all the reasons you mentioned. Yeah, I like that I like that clock king theme. I think it works and to your point, putting like a special sort of tone on it when we're in that uh hyper time so to speak i think was a was a nice touch there as well all right Liam. well that would begin to take us to our final category of the day which of course is going to be talking about our voice cast for this week uh not a huge one this week because we don't have a lot of different characters but uh, a lot of returning favorites series regulars and of course a returning villain uh, voiced once again by its original actor let's go ahead and talk about this week's voice cast Absolutely. So we have, uh, of course, we have uh, briefly, we have Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon. We get a little bit more than usual from uh, from Lloyd Bachner as Mayor Hill. Um, him getting to sort of play off the previous episode as mentioned, although again, we don't get another thing that and this go, more, this is a plot issue, not a voice actor issue. But uh, another thing that I think made that episode so interesting was how much of inner of the interaction between Clock King and Mayor Hill was a part of that episode and how well the two voice actors played off of each other, which we don't, unfortunately we don't get as much of here, but uh, still, still uh, I think a good performance by Mr. Bachner. 
Uh, elsewhere in the episode, we have uh, Dr. Wakati, as mentioned, played by uh, Roscoe Lee Brown, which uh, you may not recognize that name, but uh, you would probably know him as the voice of the Kingpin on the Spider-Man animated series oh. that was being uh, produced at the same time. This is uh, kind of the reverse of the uh, <laughs> of the Mark Hamill thing, where he's he's better known for playing the Spider-Man villain than he than on his role here, but. A lot of uh, a lot of crossover in those uh, in those voice casts, those Marvel shows, and uh, and uh, and Batman the animated series at the time. And then, yeah, uh, he's, I th- I think he's great. By the way, I I think he's very. Un- I mean, doesn't have a ton. Didn't have a ton to do for the episode, mm-hmm. but uh, but I thought he was he was very strong. And I would not have picked him out as uh, as the kingpin had you not said so. So disguised it enough with sort of a uh, I guess a a native African accent, sort of mm-hmm. uh, to to sort of uh, to to blend that in there. So yeah, yeah, pretty strong for what he was asked for. Absolutely. And then uh, I just want to mention, this is more of just like a fun little tidbit. Uh, so playing the, the auction, auctioneer uh, in this episode, uh, who, who, by the way, was uh, based visually on an old English actor named Terry Thomas, um, is, uh, is a guy by the name of Alan Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. And if you're curious, yes, he's related to that Oppenheimer. He's what? like third cousin of the man who created the atomic bomb. <laughs> uh, and then also he voiced uh, man at arms in the original He-Man, the animated series. I'm <laughs> 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 not sure which one he's more known for or more, yeah. which, which notorious for. I just, and I guess maybe, maybe it's a more recent thing to look back at the creation of such a device with a bit less, awe and a bit more horror yeah <laughs> over what we have wrought yeah um but you you just you didn't think about changing that name <laughs> like i guess it just wasn't a maybe maybe it's a point of pride at, at that point in uh, yeah. in old hollywood but uh yeah i just thought when i saw that i was like well how often how many people with that last name do you come across and Sure enough, according to Google, which I believe is always right, he is, uh, <laughs> he is the third cousin of uh, of of the Oppenheimer who created the atomic bomb. So, just had to mention that there because, like, how how often are we gonna? <laughs> wow, are we gonna make a connection like that? Um, yep, I'm gonna say the first time, last time, only time, unless Mr. Oppenheimer uh, plays a plays another role, which uh, at least according to the DCAU wiki, uh, he's not listed as voicing any additional voices in the DCAU. So I'm going to say this might be the one and only time. <laughs> so good and for mild- you for bringing it up. That's right. Mildly topical because the uh, the movie's coming out. Oh, that's right. Mildly topical if you're listening to this when it originally, uh, when we originally debuted the episode mm-hmm. in July of 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, then of course we have our main villain, Alan Rations or Rations returning as a Clock King, probably most famously from his turn on LA Law. But uh, I still like him as the Clock King. This is very, like, just this completely humorless man. He He is just, he's so abrupt and... And serious, even when he's pretending to be like the faithful butler and assistant to Dr. Wakati, he still talks like the Clock King. And you'd think normally that would be like a uh, a detriment as a voice actor because oh, there's not you'd be like oh, he's not he's not showing a lot of range. But somehow it works. Like for this character who we've, we've talked about has like clear and severe neurological disorders, <laughs> like he shouldn't sound any different even when he's you know quote unquote undercover to me. So I I still <laughs> I still adore him as the Clock King even if I feel he was uh, hamstrung by a a, a less than uh, plot in this case. Yeah, the two lines that that got me were when they used the flash bulbs to blind him, and he goes, "Ah, my eye!" <laughs> Get ready. Ah, my eye. And then uh, later on, as he's escaping from from the mayor's penthouse and uh, stumbles a- across Batman's vehicle, and goes, "The Batmobile." <laughs> ah. <laughs> The Batmobile. Ah, <laughs> he's so wacky. But... So strange. Like, what an interesting choice of delivery for both of those. 
Uh, but fits, yeah, fits the the idiosyncratic nature of that character as we uh, if we established at least in the first episode. So yeah, absolutely. That deep down underneath of it, he's a bumbling fool. Far a far cry from the character that eventually would lead Task Force X. That's in, right in uh, in Justice League Unlimited. That's right, and, uh, and then of course we have our uh, our dynamic duo this week once again: Lauren Lester as Robin and Kevin Conroy as Batman. They don't got much to do, uh, like you said. There, other than uh, Lauren Lester gets a lot of clock and time puns, and uh, and Batman has to deliver a lot of a uh, dialogue exposition about the, uh, you know, Doctor Wakati being the the father of chronal physics or whatever, and. Mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 explaining how they're trapped in hypertime or whatever is going on when they're in the Batmobile and all that. So a lot of uh, it's a, it's a, it's an educational episode for Kevin Conroy and a uh, a pun heavy episode for for Lauren Lester and and but again it's not it's not really their show it's it's really uh, Mr. Rations as, as the Clock King who does most of the heavy lifting in this one. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, not not. Uh unfortunately for mr lester i don't feel like he was given a lot of great material to work with it's a lot of bad time puns and uh and not not a ton for for the late mr conroy to do in the episode so uh basing that off of everybody else's uh performance i would say uh i, I gave it a a six out of ten i just there wasn't anything that i felt really blew me away i did mm-hmm. laugh at the clock king's goofy lines but I didn't think there was one. I, I remember in the first episode in that the Clock King, that sort of diatribe he gives at the end where he kind of reveals to uh to the mayor why he's out for revenge, uh how how passionately insane he sounds, yes. like declaring his anger at him for making him late for this court case. Um so yeah, I, I, I don't think we had had equal moments here for this episode. So for all that, I ended up giving it a six out of ten. Yeah, I went five out of ten, so not much different there. Like I, I like I like him. Like it's just he's just such a weird, <laughs> such a weird, and fun performance from uh, from Mr. Rations, and I did like Mr. Brown as a uh, Doctor Wakati as well. But yeah, just not a lot to not a lot to write home about. Not a lot of like we said, it's such a weird and kind of fluff plot that uh, there's not a lot for not a lot of big dramatic moments for any of our actors to really sink their teeth into with this one. Agreed. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap things up here. So let's tally up those final scores. Adding adding everything up from our four categories, I end up with a twenty-seven out of forty. What about you? <laughs> I don't. We were only one or two apart, I think, in each category, but it ended up with me being at a final score of twenty-two out of forty. So Wait, I don't here. How is that possible? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess uh, the two, two. Yeah, there was a two difference in plot. We had a two difference in music, and we had a one difference in in voice acting. So that that it's checks. Five, yeah, that would be five <laughs> in my little head math there. So I guess it makes sense. All right, question of the day here: returning character, character comes back later on in Justice League Unlimited, is sort of the the bow on the end of that first clock king episode question mark Mm -hmm. where do you Mm -hmm. land where do you land liam is this a is this a must watch no (laughs) i think you can skip this one skip it yeah i think because when when he comes back in in jlu he's just he's he's the timing guy he's right he's he's plotted out the 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 heist down to the second it doesn't involve any uh sci-fi time devices so I, I think we can we can kind of skip this one. It's not it's not really referenced again. These these devices don't come back. There's not really a reason. Yeah, I agree. I, I unfortunately, as cool as it was as a kid watching this episode, I think uh, unfortunately at this point, even though it is a follow up, uh, nothing really changes before or after this episode. As you mentioned, the devices don't come back. Uh, he doesn't come back in this series or in the new Batman adventures. There's a tie in comic that you uh, posted on our socials this week, head over to Instagram at DCAU review. If you want to check out Liam's little drop of that from the, uh, is that Gotham adventures? I think, uh, it's Batman adventures volume two, ah, which was the, right. where they, they started drawing him like, uh, like the justice league Batman. 
There you go. So check that out. If you haven't read that, uh, check out our little synopsis on the Instagrams. But yep, skip it and uh, find a better episode to watch uh, <laughs> if you're looking for a, a, a rewatch. Which I mean, given the fact that we got into the 20s, I think that does speak highly of our of our thoughts on the visuals and the animation. So it's not as if this episode is completely bereft of uh, of fun, but it's yeah, it's just not uh, it's not one I I plan on revisiting too often in the uh, in the future. All right, Liam, let's wrap things up here. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, we would love your support if you liked the podcast. Uh, head on over to your favorite podcast app, wherever you listen to us, and smash that subscribe button. Uh, that helps us out. Uh, if your podcast app of choice allows you to leave a review like Apple or Spotify, uh, go ahead and do so. Leave a five-star review if you like us that much. And then if it allows you to leave a little blurb, a little paragraph about what you like, uh, please feel free to do so. Even if you've left one before, I've heard that Apple allows you to leave multiple reviews. So uh, if you're feeling feeling kind and generous and want to take a couple of minutes to, uh, to, uh, to support us, that is a fun, easy, free way of doing so. And uh, Liam and I always get a kick out of reading those, those reviews when, uh, when they do pop up. So thank you to those that have taken the time mm-hmm. and will continue to take the time to do so. Uh, if you also want to support the podcast monetarily, there's a couple of ways to do that. Uh, there are links in the show notes, one to our store and one to the uh, donation button. You can buy Liam and myself a coffee. Thank you to our subscribers also. There's an option to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, thank you to those that uh, that every month give us uh, some some money and uh, just for just for making this podcast. So thank you to our supporters for doing that. As we mentioned at the top, head on over to youtube.com slash the pod tower, subscribe there. And uh, hey, comment on those videos too if you want to interact with us. Uh, you got many different mediums of interacting with us now. As we mentioned at the top, you have Twitter. Uh, as long as uh, that website still exists, you have Instagram, you have, uh, you have, you have threads. So long as that website still exists. Um, yeah. You got a lot of different ways to, uh, to, to talk to us, to share your opinions, your thoughts, slide into the DMS, whatever motive talking to us publicly is available on one of those sites do so. Uh, but yeah, follow us on all of those, uh, those socials, and uh, there you will learn quite often what our next episode is before we even talk about it. But uh, Liam, we will be dropping it here next week. And uh, just what episode will we be reviewing next week? That's right, Cal. We got another fun one. And I have to imagine one of the one of the last non-Robin featuring episodes Ooh. we have remaining in our uh, in our BTAS catalog here. That being the episode Catwalk which uh, not only sees the return of Selena Kyle, but also features uh, Scarface and the Ventriloquist, I believe. So yeah. uh, a, a rare, a somewhat rare villain team up episode next week to talk about. So, and the not one, I feel like we had, we, we both had this one on tape, but also didn't watch it very often. Mm-hmm. So I have not seen this episode in many a year. So look I just remember a giant whale. So, <laughs> from my recollection so sounds about right and i remember i remember the puppet gets destroyed at the end <laughs> yep that's spoiler alert that's that's a safe bet death Correct. taxes and uh some sort of disembodiment of the uh of the puppet man that's right so looking forward to talking with catwalk uh talking about catwalk next week but until then i'm cal and i'm liam and we will talk to you on that next episode of the dcau review Bye-bye.